You've got kids, like you go through these phases as the first bit where you're like in a fog and like a yeah. hole. Yeah, and you're like, like a couple of years. Yeah, and there's no night, day, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all in one. Yeah, yeah, you're in Las Vegas. And yeah. then they're older and there's new shots. <laughs> exactly, you're <laughs> yeah. in Vegas. Like without the fun I was stuff. in Vegas for three years. You know, like, you never know. Is and it like noon? Like, Is yeah, it four in the morning? I have no idea. Time. Drink some water and keep going. Welcome to The Lighthouse Conversations, a podcast featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the world of arts, culture, tech, and of course, food. I'm your host, Hesham Montasser. If you're joining us for the first time, please hit the follow button in your podcast player to get alerted when we have a new episode, which is typically every other week. You can also listen to our extensive catalog of previous episodes on our website at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast. It includes amazing guests like Sunny Rabar from the Third Line Gallery, Ayman Beki, Nada Dibs, Mohammed Orfali from Orfali Bros, Hatem Matar from Matar Farms, and so many others. I'm joined today by Shirin El Molla, co-founder of Hekma Rituals, a homegrown brand of botanicals, including oils, dusts, and tinctures. Shirin found her calling in herbalism as a way of returning to nature and connecting with her Iraqi roots. So she began studying for a master herbalist degree with the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London. She then met her co-founder, who had been laying the groundwork for Hekma Rituals and creating products based on medicinal plants. I talked to Shireen about her exploration of herbalism as a career and her own personal journey exploring her hybridity, combining her Iraqi and Kurdish heritage, her very strict British upbringing in school and life in Abu Dhabi and then Dubai. We're so excited about this. Uh, a lot to learn. I was reading yesterday about your business and about you and about herbalism. I'm going to start at the top. Tell us first just a little bit about yourself. So you were just telling me you grew up in London, raised and born and raised in London. Born and raised in London, okay. spent all my life there at university and then moved out here about 11 years ago. And where were your parents originally from? Were Iraq. They, oh, so they migrated from Iraq to the UK? My grandfather. So ah, so it's two generations. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. yeah so my grand, my parents met in England and university. Okay. Actually, a big part of my journey is trying to kind of re get in touch with my roots yes. because there was such a disconnect and a lot of confusion growing up in England. Although, are both your par parents originally Iraqi? Yes. Because there's a quite an active Iraqi community in the UK, to my knowledge. There, there is. We weren't part of it. You were not part of it. My okay. parents really tried to anglicize us, um, but I think they were just trying to do the best they could. So at home was very Arab. We always, we still had our Dean teacher. We still had our Arabic teacher and it was very much culturally Iraqi at home. Mm. But education wise, I guess in their mind, they thought they'd give us the best, best they chance. could, which was extremely British strict schools where we were the only Arabs like no joke I was the only Arab in my year and uh, what was the result you know systemic racism and bullying which is what really happened to me and my brother a lot um, that I've had to unpick now that I'm like nearing 40 of what that actually did to me 100%. and how I was really in such a like a dichotomy like what do I do who am I am I British am I Iraqi and yeah. a lot of confusion and then the you know, the the strictness of the parents, but then the freedom of outside and not knowing what to do there. So plants have brought me back to that, specifically going to the plants of Iraq. So you had a lot of, I guess you were saying you were exposed to Iraqi culture at home. Did you ever go there? I've been twice, twice. in my life, yeah. So a big part of it is kind of more the inspiration of what it would be like, as opposed to actual... It's not a longing for an actual yeah. experience. Yeah, no. that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a longing for 
connection. Obviously, during COVID, um, there this was became quite widespread. A lot of people trying to think about. I mean, many of us went to basic back to basic principles, like first principles. You know, trying to reconnect. Mm -hmm. When did the idea of the business? come to your mind? It was not during COVID, but the journey started during COVID. Okay. The journey to knowing what I wanted to study and be certified in. And luckily, the, the degree that I did became available online because of COVID. It was actually the rose which brought me to what my true finding my purpose or what my path was, which was my a herbalist that I had seen um, on, um, for an appointment, I told him I've, you know, I've had an, a loss of identity. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to find, you know, a path. And he told and me- just pause for a second here, sorry. Yeah. So you went to Herbalist, you made an appointment with what intention? Is um, it like, sorry, I've never, I've never made an appointment absolutely. with an Herbalist. So is yeah, it like so a therapist? health. Health. Okay. So, um, health issues. Any health issues. So okay. it could be digestion, it could be your adrenals, it could be anything. Yeah. So like you would go to a nutritionist or a naturopath, oh. okay. you do the same to a herbalist. Okay. But then also some herbalists have like a spiritual element path, to their practice. Which is what where the rose came in. So the rose is, uh, it's a heart medicine. It's heart opening. It's astringent. It's a diuretic. It helps with your liver. It helps to clear liver heat. But then also in another way, it's a heart opener. And in, a, in a, each plant has a spiritual, speaking. yeah, it has a spiritual signature and like a different energy. Plants have energetics. There's cooling, warming, um, you know, bitter, lots of different energies. So he told me to drink every morning. I had to repeat a mantra and drink a cup of rose tea and inhale the scent of the rose while I said this mantra, which was calling on my higher guardian angels and to show me my path and to connect me to Mother Earth and nature because that was my what I knew I wanted. And sure enough, like I did it a month later, two months later, this course became available online. Were you skeptical at all? Or I'm always skeptical. So when you did that, were you like, hmm, like he's trying to sell me something or were you convinced like you did it with an actually open heart, so to speak? I, yeah, I did it. I did it with an open heart because at that time I was- You needed something. I, and, but I was deep in practice. I was doing my yoga every ah, okay. day. I was, because I, COVID allowed me to. Okay. And I explored, I was doing many different courses at the same time with spiritual teachers. Okay. So I was in that mode. Now, like everything's become fast paced again and I don't have time for my practice. It's funny when you give the time to your practice, your skepticism goes away because you see how yeah, it, it works. But yeah, so funnily enough, I then decided, oh, let me go check my books from when I was younger that I had just shipped all from London and they were all about, herbs, gardens, plants, oh, so natural healing. These were from when I was 16, 17. So I went online, checked, and the course was online, and I took it, and I did it. And I was like, three years, it's going to take ages, but it's over now in August. It's a three-year course. It's a degree. In, degree. Um, it's a master herbalist degree, and I'll be a certified clinical herbalist. So you'll be able to come with me with your health issues, and I put you on a protocol, um, which we do now at Hikma, actually. And we basically take charge of your health with you and we empower you to take charge of your health. Did you know when you started the degree, was it purely out of the interest to learn or you knew that you would eventually pair it up with a business? No, it was to learn. I had no idea about the business. So it was curiosity. It was curiosity and a bit of ego that I'm also trying to work with now of like, you know, wanting to have a title. 
which is funny. Whereas bef- oh, when I signed great. up, no, I have a massive ego, so I'm totally, <laughs> that's totally fine. When I signed up, I, the title Master Herbalist really called me. Yeah, and I'm I was all like, about oh, global I... and master and things like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. In my previous so... <laughs> job, I was working for a company that was only in the Middle East, but they called me regional head. But then my assistant called me global head. Oh. I'm like, yeah, keep that. That's fine. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm like, we don't have any global presence, but like global head feels like just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. We get you know, it's like shiny to <laughs> yeah, us, yeah, and we yeah, like yeah, totally. it. Exactly. Same thing. It was very appealing to Ma- me master to be called herbalist. a master herbalist. Yeah, yeah. But if someone asked me now, I would never say I'm a master herbalist. <laughs> so yeah, it was that. It was a curiosity. And I actually didn't birth Hikmah. Mahdiya did, my partner, who was supposed to be with us today, yeah. but she's traveling. So she created Hikmah. Um, and, as, and I met her serendipitously. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, it is a word. I met her and it all just unfolded very and we grew it together. So no, no, no. So let's just go through that. So <laughs> you're gonna, not going to run to the group together. We want to see so met her serendipitously. serendipitously yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't able to say. So you met her. <laughs> My sister met her at a sustainability event. She had already started the company. She had started Hikma. She was producing a few oils and some sprays and some a couple of the powders actually that we still sell. Yeah, we have some of the products. Yeah, which one is that? Um, I'll have to put on my glasses for the hand. <laughs> yeah, try being forty nine. <laughs> um, Got lots to look forward to. Baraka. Baraka, yeah, which is one of, I think, of your... Is, it's such a beautiful one, your, one. like, very popular products, It right? is really popular because it has Habbat al-Baraka, which oh, is, yeah. you know, we love to focus on the medicine of the region. Like prophetic medicine and exactly. things like that. Exactly. And um, this we one all is... Love, I think all Arabs are obsessed with Habbat al-Baraka. Right? We really are. Us. And my, yeah, my, yeah, my, I remember my mom used to force us to Yeah, yeah, yeah my mother too. Day. Totally. My honey, Habbat al-Baraka. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, what is it? Like, it can cure anything but yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother, every every day, and she's like, basically, <laughs> any ailment I had, exactly. honey and Habbat al-Baraka was a good solution Because that's what it says in the Quran. I know. Or in prophetic medicine. Of course, I made fun of her, and now I do the exact same thing with my children. Yeah, exactly. Anything, I'm not just have some honey. Exactly. So how does this work? So you take the like. Rock. So these are the oils for the skin. So you rub it into your. You can rub it into your palms and just have a smell. They all have a very distinct smell, and um, this one you'll smell the nigella, the habatil baraka, quite. Oh yeah, it's that beautiful, is, yeah. and it's it's exactly. you know it's antibacterial, it's antifungal, like you said, <laughs> like we all know it cures everything. Yeah. It's good for the skin. <laughs> it's good for the skin. We don't claim to perform any miracles, but. Um, an ode to... Can you ingest it? To, no, not the oils you can't. The oils you can't, okay. Um, so it's the, not like you can put a few droplets in your tea or anything like that? No, those, these ones you can. Okay. You take by mouth, the tinctures. Ah, um, those. These are plant extracts that you drop into your on your tongue or in water. Yes. Actually, Calm is our bestseller, which is indicative of the state of the world. Yeah. Um, it's an it's for anxiety and active activated states and restful sleep. Mm, I can smell it from here, the baraka oil already. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very strong smell. Great smell. I mean, I look, I'm obsessed with the baraka. I mean, I have to say, all the things that I said I wouldn't be, I am. I mean, if, I think everybody turns into his mother, man or woman. Yeah, that's exactly. my theory. So, and that's fine. Like, I, yeah. kind of, I was telling this, this funny story the other day, or maybe it's not funny, but it was funny to me about a friend of mine. He's much younger than me. So I'm kind of a mentor to him. And he lives in New York and he called me. He's like, oh, I'm going to be in Egypt. I'm like... So I called him, did you lose your job? Do you need something? something? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm my mother. I didn't realize. Uh, yeah. like the guy just said, I'm not going to be there when you come. And you just had and a And I had a yeah. whole like, I'm ready to rescue you plan. Okay, so let's go back. So you met your partner. So my sister met her and said, listen, I've met, because I was looking to start my herbal business okay. on my own. Okay. And she's like, I've met this, you know, amazing woman and you should meet her. She started already. And we both, so her... 
it was called Hikma. And that was one of the names on my list of what I wanted to call my business. So even the name we were connected by. Your name um, is beautiful. So we met up and literally from the first coffee, like you clicked, we clicked and it was peaceful. Mm. It was, it wasn't frenetic energy. It was peaceful energy. It was joy. And it was just energetically felt right. And we just, it started straight away. You know, you know, we were like, shouldn't we be signing some papers or something? We just a, didn't that's even... a beautiful, that's the most beautiful way to do it. Yes. Thank and you. I think because there was no friendship before, you know, we were, we've come together because of the business that takes away a lot of that, you know, that whole yes, thing of working so, with friends yes. and stuff. So we have, I would say we have a deep bond now because we speak every single day, all day long. Is it for both of you? You mentioned earlier how important it was for you in a, that this was a way to reconnect with your heritage. Yeah. I've read somewhere that you were also talking about looking at specifically Iraqi plants and plants that came from this part of the world. Yes. Um, so talk to us a little bit about this. Like, we have a big focus on that. And okay. Mehdi and I both actually have the story of not of that kind of like not knowing who we are. Like even though she grew up in Canada, I grew up in London, but we had roots elsewhere. And that's a Dubai story as well. And it's a Dubai way. story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, by the way, I love how I've been telling the story as if it's... <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I mean. I just thought but, of it, but, but, but it's but, true. I mean, Everyone 90 here has 90% that. expat levels. Everyone here has that. It's a Dubai that. story. And it's obviously an Arab expat story Exactly. As well. So I mean... Exactly. We all have this in common. And I think that's where people um, connect with Hikma when we start talking about this because because everyone has this a lot of people have this story yeah. and we've all been severed from our lands yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that immediately spoke to me by the way yeah when I read that yeah we all have and I think what we want is a way to connect back and I think when I started doing deep dives into the, the horrific stuff that's happened with destroying lands I know it happens in Palestine I know it happens all over the, the Middle East but specifically Iraq is what I did a deep dive into and it was the um, the bombing of the seed bank in 2003 uh, the dis when the American invade invasion happened and that we lost thousands of heirloom seeds uh, it was the order 81 or whatever it was that Paul Bremer put on um, Iraqi farmers that they could, it was illegal for them to plant only, they would only be able to plant Monsanto seeds, so genetically modified seed. Oh, um, I did not Destroying the landscape, like destroying it, destroyed. So you have like acres of wheat fields that you are not consumable. Um, and then you have women that we were, that we've, you know, sell, we sell Shahina's book. Shahina Razanfar, who spent, I think, 40 years, she's a senior botanist at Kew Gardens, compiling every flora and fauna of Iraq. Wow. Um, we want to highlight people like that's work because they're preserving the history, the heritage, the seeds, the biodiversity that's being lost like at a massive rate. Is her rate. book widely available? Her book is widely available. Okay. We'll we link are, to it in our show notes too. We've been, yeah, it's, it's called The Flora of Iraq. Okay. And then we have the Palestinian uh, professor, Arif Abu Rabia. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. His book is amazing. Yeah. And he's amazing. And he's been so lovely and like, you yeah, know. I just started following him. And then the Lebanese, wonderful Lebanese Californian girls. And um, another Jordanian lovely girl called Talitha that have published these books on medicinal plants of Lebanon or a field guide to the flowers of the Levant. People like that are really like calling to us. And that's and, amazing. And people are loving the books because it's the way for them to connect to their of course, land. Of course. And that's what we're all aching for, right? A connection to our land. And um, yeah, that's, that's it basically on that front. And I think me... Us, Mahdia and I, going to trying to put as many plants from the region into our products is our way of doing that. What's Mahdia's background in terms of connecting to her heritage? So she's Tunisian, okay. half Tunisian, half um, First Nation Canadian. So okay. indigenous Canadian, her grandmother was, okay. which is really interesting from a specific tribe 
oh, whose wow. name I will not attempt to pronounce. Let's but not it's do in that, my phone because yeah. I wanted to read a lot. I want to learn about the tribe that she's from. Amazing. Um, so yeah, very interesting backgrounds. I'm just, you know, that's far more exotic than me. I'm just fully Iraqi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's exotic enough for, for the purpose It's exotic depending of, where you yeah, are in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here. exactly. But yeah, my dad's from Kurdistan. My mom's from Baghdad. Um, okay. I've never been to Kurdistan, but, um, hopefully one day to do something to help the land, like the marshes of Iraq that are completely gone and. It's really sad. Like it's it, it was a bit heartbreaking when I went into it because I didn't know any of this. No, I mean it's heartbreaking even listening to it. To be yeah. honest, and then the and then you know the Palestine. Everyone, you know, many people know what's going on there and the, the destroying of the landscape, the destroying, the burning of the trees, and yeah. And I think now that you're telling these stories, I mean, you know, in, in the case of Iraq, can you know because it's just no longer in the news on a day-to-day -day yeah, basis. Not, people moved on. So many yeah. people have moved on, sadly. Yeah. The news cycle has moved on. That's yeah. what I meant. Not yeah. people as individuals. And therefore, you know, those stories are not told yeah. necessarily, yeah. right? No, There's not, not much coverage. It's not newsworthy anymore. Not, yeah, for, for the kind of overall, certainly Western media. Well, look what's happening now. I mean, have anything in Palestine been on the news? It's only thanks to my Instagram and certain people. So that's why we need to keep talking about it and we need to band together because we are a big force in this region and we're coming, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, no, we're all no, tooting no. our own home, but we're coming up in a better position in many different ways. I'm not talking about monetary or anything like that, but as a people or as a region in a much healthier kind of maybe more positive way than what, how the rest of the world's doing at the moment. Yeah, and that's I think my that's, belief. I think that's exactly right. And um, I think it's a like a gift and a pleasure to and a what's it called a privilege to live in this part of the world now. I think the landscape of this region has completely changed. Yeah. Right? and in many ways, I think Dubai has led the way in 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 a complete makeover. Totally. Uh, in the sense of the image and how people perceive us, um, which which is great. And I think I'm hoping that. Stage two, certainly in the Gulf, um, you would start seeing each one of them pursuing their own sort of identity uh, that that fits their uh, needs yeah. and the people that live there. Yeah. Um, but I think the Dubai experience has obviously been an extremely positive one. Yeah, I think it's our responsibility as like what do they call um, Arabs that grew up in England or America? Third culture, whatever. Third culture, yeah. Third culture kids. kids. Yeah. I think it's our responsibility to keep our traditions alive. I and to keep that. our heritage alive, because that I'm I'm seeing that get a bit lost just through language, even like my kids don't speak Arabic, very good Arabic yeah. at all, and I'm like, you know, where how did I that that was a mess up? Like they need to speak Arabic. The language is a big one. Um, I think it's a big responsibility of ours to do that. You know, so there's a lot of as we were saying earlier, a lot of misconceptions about herbalism and what it means. And obviously, you have kind of two forces, right? You have the true essence of what I think it is, although I'm going to ask you about it. You have commercial forces from big pharmaceutical companies and others trying to co-opt it. Absolutely. If yeah. they're seeing there's potential, uh, a very lucrative niche for them. Through, and this yeah. happens in any apothecary, in any business. You start, you know, look at luxury, look at any business. You have these startups when they pop up then obviously larger companies start to take an interest in them. Yeah. But then you have also kind of, let me just call them the crazies, which are people and certain strands that kind of think, you know, 
you can heal anything. And so you don't want to do this kind of voodoo stuff. It's real stuff. It has obviously documented healing powers. There's a method to it. You, you have to do a three-year degree yeah. to acquire that knowledge. How do you kind of, you know, um, position yourself in a very, very still amorphous um, landscape? It's really difficult because... First of all, you have to be really careful what you say, what you're claiming, yeah, what exactly. you promise people, and you have to be very conservative. You, uh, there's certain we're trained with red flags, so if anyone comes to me with a red flag symptom, I straight away refer them to a medical doctor. What are red flag symptoms? Like bleeding, vomiting, okay. blood in stool, um, uh, a certain level of heartbeat that doesn't go down, uh, okay. high blood pressure. Like there's specific flags. Yeah, you're like it's beyond it's beyond this yeah, now. or any kind of you know bacterial infection like that's serious or like a meningitis. You don't you know I wouldn't tell or a cancer patient. I wouldn't tell them I can cure your cancer or yeah. shrink your tumor. Yeah. Um, I can support you. I can put you at ease. I can make you comfortable. I can support you with your alongside your chemo treatment or your radiotherapy, and I can put a bit of less, you know, stress on your liver with yeah. with um, milk thistle, which is clinically proven. It's you know, it's not. This is the thing when people think it's woo woo or oh, she, you know, she's coming with like her voodoo stuff. It it really isn't. It really isn't. And a lot of medications are derived from plants. Mm. Yes, they've now been you know chemically made in a lab, but the original. Uh, extract extract was from a plant the thing that pharmaceutical companies want to do and unfortunately again this is really damaging to the herbal medicine you know community or anyone that wants to go that way for healing is they damage it on purpose they go out to damage it because it's not profitable they have to have something that's patented they therefore go for standardized extracts or they'll extract a part of the plant which they then patent and they can put in a pill and sell to you in pill form which doesn't work the same way the whole plant does. The whole reason the plant works is because it has a certain synergy and every phytochemical in the plant complements each other to work as a whole, to put your body into balance, not to put you in a hyper or a hypo state where you're trying to like, oh, I've got high blood pressure. Let me just use this to lower it. The plant will, if you have high or low blood pressure, the plant for the blood pressure like Hawthorne will normalize your blood pressure no matter whether you're high or low. You see what I mean? I it's completely see what you mean. So it's, it, and that's the whole plant. You can't take a bit out of it and just, so back to the pharmaceutical companies is you will count, there, there have been, you know, a study that comes out on St. John's work, I don't know, in 2000, and it was a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, about how it alleviates depression. Yes, and I remember that. And then it was a huge thing and doctors started prescribing it to patients rather than giving them, you know, yeah. pharmaceutical SSRs. And they, um, uh, I think one of the companies that made these drugs lost, apparently, this is a rumor, it's not 100%, but lost a lot of money because people were turning away and going to St. John's Wort. So one study comes out completely knocking it, saying that it's you know dangerous to use in certain conditions or if you're taking certain measures. It just basically destroys it. And, that and was now it. it's like, you know, Nobody even in it. our training, they put a million warnings with St. John's work because people are too scared because you don't want to be liable or anything to, you know, it's, there's a, there's an, ex, there's a definite attack on this side of wellness and healing. It's very clear. And from the larger pharmaceutical. From, yeah. And media and like just complex. a lot of shadow banning and you're you know, being careful what you're saying and because it's free for all and they can't deal with that, that everyone can have it. That's so interesting. It's, it's yours. If I give you knowledge on the plant, I'm not giving it to you as an I'm the only wisdom keeper of it. It's you yours. Can go, you can go pick it from the field and use it. 
And I'm saying it's great. Okay, maybe not for, you know, there are certain illnesses that medicine has an amazing, you know, life-saving role. But for chronic stuff, for people that don't really know, they don't can't get a diagnosis, IBS, chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, these kind of things, autoimmune issues. Herbal medicine is amazing. From your experience, what is the value of a more bespoke regimen, let's just say, versus, so Hashem comes to you, like I have high cholesterol, for example, right? So, you know, reading a little bit about it, and then let's say buying a particular plant or plant-based extract, one of those, and that kind of is proven to help with lower cholesterol versus me coming to you having an individual sessions that's a lot more holistic, and you're saying, well, here's the plan we're going to put you on. So are, are both equally effective? Is it indifferent? How does it work? No, I'm number two is definitely by far, and okay. you treat the person, not the symptom. You treat the person, not the symptom. Your high cholesterol could be for a completely different reason to maybe yours, you know. Well, in my so, case, it's mostly because of Chirac, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really, over the years, so, it's, it's a miracle. My, yeah. There's no blood pressure uh, issues yet, but it's coming any minute now. But yeah, uh, but yeah I mean, it's it's really Chirac. Oh, uh, yeah. that's I mean, amazing. Yeah, I'm just being honest. But yeah, I mean, anyway, we're, we're going away from that. Yes, so exactly. So your reasons could be totally different. <laughs> and we want to treat the root cause, right? So, you know, this is why we sell these, the four four tinctures that we sell that have a specific, you know, um, purpose. But I much prefer as well to see someone on an individual basis. And we spend one hour and 50 minutes investigating you okay, and every body system of yours. And then I diagnose you. I do some diagnostics that we're taught, um, like naturopathic ones, which would be pulse, eyes, tongue, and skin. And then, um, and then I come up with a treatment plan and I send it to you after. And it's a four to six week treatment plan. Are there some cases where you're like, you don't need anything? No. Everybody everybody would benefit from something. Yeah, at least a lifestyle change or a diet right. change. Or we, yeah. we off we also give people guidance on that. Sleep, you know, sleep hygiene, meal hygiene. Um but sadly, I really and no one people come to us when they're desperate. Yeah. They don't come to they, us. Like, they, we're not the first, you know, yeah, oh, I'm not call. feeling well, I'm gonna go to a herbalist. I tried this, this, and this, that, this, and this, then this, I'm or I'm on to. twenty meds and I just wanna get off some of them, or can you support me with I just keep getting sick. My immunity, we're seeing a lot of low immunity, we're seeing a lot of autoimmune, we're seeing a lot of stressed people, a lot of over uh, you know, exactly. overactive adrenals, a lot of cortisol, like a lot of stressed people, a lot of people not sleeping. And I think the state of the world is getting more and more. Yeah, I mean, there's no question, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's because now we have labels for it, but it, I, I'm, I'm 49 years old and I have never heard the word autoimmune more than in the last two or three years. Now, I don't know because I was too young or because it wasn't labeled as such, but clearly the stress levels, to your point, have kind of so, so much that those types of issues, I'm using autoimmune as a blanket for many yeah, other issues. Yeah. There are essentially stress factors. There's, there's also other factors that we, you know, we cannot name, which are happening and are causing these things. And I won't go into it now because I don't want to open that subject. But it's unfortunately never going to be brought to light. But there are environmental factors and toxins that are surrounding us all the time that are also contributing to. I, I believe, and I may be very wrong. I'm not saying I know yeah. anything. 100%, but I believe is contributing to the rise in autoimmune and allergies and, um, and stress. Yeah. When we come back, we talk about some of the challenges of growing an apothecary business and how impactful parenthood can be on your personal journey. 
That's right after the short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with my guest, Shirin El Molla. When you decided to start the business, did you look at the odds of this business succeeding? Because frankly, from what you're saying, there's a lot of things at stake that are, you know, you're, as you said, I mean, you know, you have pharmaceutical companies and for profit, I mean, you're for profit too, but for profit, larger companies that may have a reason not to want to see people like you succeed. You have a lot of rubbish that you can get online yeah. that has nothing to do with herbalism, yeah. but then some people might believe, and that yeah. could be another side coming for you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have also, as you rightfully said, the fact that some of these things are available for free. Yeah. So it's not obvious that once I've discovered it, I'm going to be coming back to you. Did you factor this in, or was this really just from the heart and saying, let's start and then see how this goes? It's from the heart. Okay. And I think I that might that. be our I think that might be no, one no. of our downfalls. No, but, I mean, it's not, not a downfall, downfall at all. I'm, I'm not that's um, what I not mean. Not a downfall. It's very hard for us to get into the mindset of a profitable mass huge company, yeah. right? Yeah. So like I can see it going there because it's very popular and people love it. And we do it with intention and we do it with integrity and we do it with extreme mindfulness of our sources. And I'll add something to all of those. You're also resolving an, an issue that's actually there. Yeah. So you're solving a problem. You yeah. know, to me, when, when, when I see any startup in any business, my first question is always, in my mind at least, is this a legitimate problem yeah. or a nice to have? Yeah. And in your case, it's very clearly a legitimate problem. You know what I mean? So when I see, I invest in, in tech startups and when I see the X company giving me another, you know, way to wire money from X to Y, you may be solving a problem, but there's nine other people doing that and it's already existing and it's in my phone. So, uh Hard yeah. to see how you yeah. move the needle. Absolutely. But you are definitely have your pulse on a, a real problem, a problem that's actually spreading mm. and a problem that many of us may not even be aware of. Mm. So I was not suggesting that yeah, this no. doesn't make business sense. I, um, uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, it's very inspiring to hear that from you because you've really no, done something true. so amazing as well here. I it's think true. Thank you. For me, it's... Um, Despite Chirag, by the way. It's keeping the integrity. It's keeping the integrity. And I think yeah. that's the fine line between when you start to go big. Yeah. So so that was going to be my next question. Yeah. You're not there yet. That's a high-class problem to have, as they say, when you get there. But of course, we see this all the time. We, um, One of the products we have in our concept store is Aesop. Yeah. Aesop, as I'm sure you know very well, is Just a beautiful cool. company. Yeah that grew from New Zealand, eventually acquired by a Brazilian conglomerate, got bigger. We started all seeing it in a lot many places. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying it was so, so niche when they started out. And now L'Oreal just bought them. So you will see them in every hotel and every blah, blah, blah. Again, now, I don't know how the founders feel. Uh, and maybe that was the path they wanted all along. But of course, it's no longer a niche. And no. therefore, at some point, it also loses its... Yeah, do I want Aesop in my bathroom exactly anymore? Right. No. Exactly, when I'm seeing it but in that's, every but it's so Sheraton funny. hotel. When, when I step outside sorry, of Sheraton. all this... <laughs> sorry, Sheraton. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, thought no the Sheraton, Sheraton people will not sorry. like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hilton, oops. But then again, yeah. can we remove ourselves from this? It's crazy. That it just, again, makes me reflect on this current state of the human condition. But that's just going really deep into it. It's like... Why do I care what soap is in my bathroom? And then I go into that. Oh, I so care. 
I know. Yeah, yeah. But why do I? And why, you know, and I just, I go into these like, you know, deep like holes well, of like know, thinking of these things. By the way, on this particular topic. And why do I care what the box looks like? Well, I was going to just, that's And exactly, we really care about that. I was going to say, so you may care for the soap in the bathroom for two different reasons. I'll give you an example. My wife cares a lot more about the sensation and yes. the actual soap. Yes. I care a lot more about the look. Yeah. So yeah. to me, you know. Yeah. Sorry, Aesop. 50% of it, maybe more, is actually the aesthetics. Yes. Um, I mean, I like the product, no yeah. question, but it's certainly not my... Your so, top thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's very similar to this. I yeah. mean, I think, no, of course, product design has a huge appeal. It's very important. Mm -hmm. um, and bathrooms are very personal. Anything that I think touches you... Yes. ...is very personal. Exactly. One of the things you learned from Aesop, which I think was interesting, uh, in 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 many cases, they insisted to have their own sink. One of the reasons at the beginning oh, we're I having issues that. bringing yeah Aesop here is they're like, well, where's the sink? I'm like, I'm sorry. They're like, you need the sink. I'm like, no, we don't have space for a sink. We're like a restaurant and a concept yeah. store. So um, now they've adapted their format, but I think they wanted you to rehearse the whole experience. So I feel like for anything that touches you, yeah, yeah, that true. matters a lot. True. And there's also, I mean, for us, the way we package our stuff is on the, the way a, a traditional herbal, you're supposed to store stuff. So the amber bottle, because so that you don't get the UV damage and no oxidation. That's what's important to us. Obviously, we'd love to develop our packaging more, but that doesn't happen until you have massive, um, No, your packaging quantities. is very elegant, very understated, um, I think, and timeless. And yeah, the colors go really well with, and, yeah, exactly. Um, I think what, I think the challenge is communicating what's inside the package through the packaging, right? And like, it's, I think we find ourselves explaining, having to, again, explain and educate a lot around what's in here because so much has gone into that powder, right? And each ingredient of that powder has a specific purpose from the lion's mane mushroom to the cordyceps, to the reishi, to the cardamom, to the cinnamon and the astragalus. Those are six powerhouse ingredients that you can just put a teaspoon into your smoothie, coffee, drink, everyday oatmeal. Um, that are really supportive of brain cognitive health, uh, immune function, digestive health. You know, we've, and Mahdia came up with this blend. I take it every day. I love it. Um, and it's one of our best sellers. But it's like, how do I, because I'm so passionate about what's in it. I just, I want the, you know, I want people to know it. And it, how do you then communicate that through if someone's walking past a shop and they just see that? So how do you generally communicate your message? So you talked earlier about a community. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there is a small but growing community. Yeah. Um, of both enthusiasts, professionals, practitioners. Talk to us a little bit more about this community. It's people that already had a window into this and people that already had a base knowledge, right? So they're just excited that there is this here and that they can buy it locally and they don't have to bring it in from the US or anywhere else. And then there's the new people that are curious and want to try and are looking for a natural mode of healing outside of, you know, the conventional methods that they've gone to. Well, we're in Sarkal. No, I know, in Third so Line. Which in is Third lovely. Line, which is yeah. like... And you're here in D3 too with us. Yeah, and we're here with you. Yeah. And I think we're in the two best places in Dubai. Yeah, really, clear. I mean, um, I guess you guys and the people that come to you and the people that go to Third Line are, are you know, community because... Yes. I think the choice we're we've asked to be we've been asked to be in a, a, a few different places and we've declined because we're also the choice of where we want Hikma to be is reflective of the community well, we want and, to create. And your values. Yeah. And you know, and also the kind of people we want to work with, like the farm we work with, you guys, Sunny at the third line, like 
It's people that have values, integrity, that are just lovely people. Like Sunny really gave us a chance, you know. Like, She's great. To have the apothecary in, a, in a, an art gallery. And she yeah. just went for it. She has a love of plants as well. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, we it's funny, you know, we had her on this podcast not, not so long ago. Yeah. And one of the things that came out of it, her initial vision was not just a gallery, not that I'm belittling him. No, yeah. it's a fantastic gallery, yeah. one of the best in Dubai. Yeah. I think she always had this idea that let's create a space for more, yeah. more yeah. which is why you fit so well. Thank you. That's good to know. Um, no, she she really like took a leap with us and had faith in us and has just been so amazing. So we're super grateful. But that community in Sarkal is a lovely one. Yeah, it is. Um, the community here is a lovely one. True. Um, then we've got one more in Ras Al Khaimah, which is a yoga studio. So oh, again, like yoga, wellness, and then soon in the Palm um, with a new place opening called Contrast, Amazing. which is a hot and cold therapy. I hope I'm saying it right, but like you know, uh, they have like uh, UV. What's it called? Yeah, 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 yeah. Infrared sauna. Yes. Um, cold. What's that? Cryo thing. Yeah, and the cryo I did an thing. I, I did an ice bath for the first time last so week. So I was supposed to do it this morning. <laughs> oh, really? And I didn't go. Okay, a quick note here. I dug a bit more into the phenomenon of cold showers and ice baths with Shireen on a bonus episode. We'll also talk about using Instagram and Google reviews for our respective businesses and how it's helped us grow the business immensely. You can find the bonus episode in your podcast app right after this episode. How has motherhood changed you? I have a feeling that part of um, you getting to this point where you started your own company and look to do this course and it's kind of a way of finding your way in a way. It seems to be as a result of yeah. having children yeah, and that being, I'm sure, a very positive experience, but also a very uh, uh, strong sensation. Having children was a massive, it was like someone put a big mirror in front of me and showed me all the shit that I needed to heal in myself. <laughs> or that was wrong with me. <laughs> I was trying to put it differently. But, <laughs> but that's what it was. That's really, if you want the truth, that's what being a mum was for me. Like, and it still is. I'm still learning so much um, um, with the help of some very amazing people. Talk, let's talk a little bit about this. Did you find it like traumatizing? Did you find it? Uh, energizing a little bit of both terrifying i mean uh, everything okay. everything like a kaleidoscope of everything um you know you go through you've got kids like you go through these phases as the first bit where you're like in a fog and like a yeah. hole yeah and you're like, like a couple of years yeah and there's no night day whatever it's yeah, just yeah. all in one yeah, yeah you're in las vegas yeah. and then they're older and there's new shots <laughs> exactly you're in yeah. vegas I felt like without the fun i was stuff. in vegas for three years you know like you know like like with the carpets that are cut like you're you, you never know is and it you're like just noon like, is yeah, it four in the morning like, i have no idea drink some more and keep going you're just yeah, wired yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a different way so um that's it so yeah it, it was everything but now it, it it then i spoke to you earlier about identity loss yeah. so when you become a parent that's it you put everything into being a parent for you know different reasons people do, do that for different reasons but you know i did that i poured myself into being a mom uh, maybe because I didn't wasn't really sure of what I was doing before, so I was like, "Oh, there you go, purpose, yeah, I have motherhood. Anchor. Yeah, this is my thing. It's my anchor, and I'm just going to do everything." But then I realized I was just losing myself, and that's when I went to the thing of trying to then find myself again. And this was my path. My path came to this, and it's an evolution, right? This doesn't happen overnight. It it ha it's happened over years, yeah. right? So, and but I never thought it would happen. And it's when I look back now, I'm like, "Oh, you know, all the steps that led me here." But, but I never you look thought very at ease now. You know, this is very recent. Okay. I mean, I have to say, you look very much. If you spoke to me about this six months ago, maybe a year ago, I would have been a ball of nerves right now and not really sure what I was going to say. 
But something has happened to me over the last, like, recently where I feel I'm like... I'm like a obviously. Come, exactly. Yeah, obviously, everything. <laughs> I'm drinking it, which yeah. you're not supposed to, but I start <laughs> drinking it and this is what happened. It's the focus powder. Yeah. No, but um, you, I, I, it's, I've come into myself. That's what I'd like to say. And I know what we're doing and we have a path and I feel confident about what we're doing. And you embody the values that you've infused in your own yeah. company and brand. Yeah. And I think that shows... Yeah. And, and I'll only buy from people that have that too. Like I'll choose Lighthouse over somewhere else because I know that you have the same ethos or I'll yeah. choose, um, you know, I, I go towards brands and people that have the same. So I think that, that, that what you said about, you know, eating at the Lighthouse and places like that, we all feel that sense of community and it's across industries. Yeah. I think that community is not about food or herbalism or this. It's really about Absolutely. a sense of purpose and belonging. But do you feel that, that it's quite specific to Dubai? Well, I've only lived in London and here, but I don't feel, I feel Definitely like it's a, very something very beautiful because, about. Because I think it's early days yeah. and because that community of building things from the ground up is very young. Yeah, true. I can tell you in, in the kind of creative slash F&B community that we are part of, um, in 2017, you had three, four brands yeah. in all of Dubai that were... Uh, homegrown brands. Homegrown, yeah. All the brands around you are, you know, imported from London and New York and Paris and whatnot. Nothing wrong with that. But that's all you saw. Yeah. I mean, when Sunny started Third Line talking about this, there was nothing. Yes, true. So it's actually been a huge sprint over the last decade. Yeah. And as a result, I think you have a very small, not very small, growing community, but it's also a very active community. It's active, exactly. I don't think you'd get that feeling in New York or London anymore. No, no. Maybe in the 60s or in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and and it, it's just an evolution. Which is becoming soulless, I think. I think so too. Everything's homogenized. Everything's the same. Everything's, um, you know, I went into a shop in Notting Hill where you, there was no shop assistance. You have to ask, you yeah, do everything like off an Amazon iPad. shops, yeah. You do it off an iPad, but you're in a physical store. It's an awful experience. And then they send, so you pick your clothes and they send it to, this, to the fitting room through an iPad. But I was like, I just want to take it off the rail and take it where you can't. You've got to, it was, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I'm all for digitizing, but <clears throat> I you think- You need human connection. I was going to say, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if you go to the lighthouse, you can pay, you can scan the QR code and pay. And in a couple of months, we'll even enable you to order from your phone if you want. But it doesn't mean you're not going to have a waiter. There will always be someone there. That's great, because it's convenient. Talking to you about the food. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is I want this guy or this girl now to spend more time with Shireen talking about the lighthouse then versus sitting with her back to you putting down the order putting right? stuff in so exactly. that's what i'm trying to do yeah but if i remove the human connection yeah and you come into a lighthouse with no with team no, uh, no where you're just ordering your chicken souflaki yum you have chicken souflaki <laughs> yeah. do you yeah. okay i'm, I'm gonna try that that, that resin. Yeah, exactly i had the falafel souflaki today and i hadn't had in a long time yeah. i was like oh this is really good yeah i'm, I'm gonna have one Shireen, thank you. That was uh, a thank great you. conversation. Thank we you. wish you the best of luck. It was so easy and lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Honestly, and thank a pleasure. you. Thank you for joining us. If you know someone who would love to hear this, please share this episode with them. The Lighthouse Conversations is hosted by me, Hesha Montasser. Our producer is Chirag Desai, and our content director is Farah Sharif. You can connect with us on Instagram at thelighthouse underscore podcast for behind-the-scenes videos, and also listen to all our previous episodes in your podcast app. You can also visit thelighthouse.ae slash podcast to listen to all of those episodes. We'll see you again in two weeks.